listening to the Not Takes Fantasy Football Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the Not Takes Fantasy Football Podcast, where we're going to go ahead and go through the Week 11 instant reaction. We're going to cover the Thursday night through Sunday late afternoon games. On this episode, you're going to be joined just by Bob today. So we told you on Thursday, Dan is in Jacksonville uh, celebrating his soon-to-be brother-in-law's bachelor party. Um, I've been in contact with Dan. They got to see what turned out to be an awesome game between the Jaguars and Steelers uh, in the second half there. Um, So Dan's doing well. Look forward to having him back on Tuesday. But I'm going to go ahead and take care of you guys for today. Hope everybody's had a great weekend. As we always do on our Sunday night show, we're going to go through each game and give the good and the bad pertaining to not only the real football, but for fantasy football purposes. So I'm going to go ahead and cover those games. We'll preview the week 12 buys to get you ready for bye week situations. Go ahead and give you some waiver suggestions as well. Some names that came out of nowhere. There's some zero ownership, at least in the league of record that I'm in, uh, which is House 3 SPN. So there could be some players that, who knows, could be game changers going down the road uh, that can help you as you make the push for the fantasy playoffs. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get into the Thursday night game, which saw the Seattle Seahawks beat the Green Bay Packers 27-24, and this was a must-win for both teams. Uh, both teams came in with four wins going into it. Um, Seattle, the division's pretty much out of the question, so they're fighting for uh, one of the wild-card bursts. <clears throat> and Packers, they, they really needed this one with a tie earlier in the season um, to get some momentum going against a good team, but Seattle was the one that ended up pulling it out, and some of the notes I had about this game was to me, looked like questionable play calling by Mike McCarthy. Uh, there was a fourth and somewhat short with about 4.20 left in the fourth quarter. And you've got one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time in Aaron Rodgers, and you decide to punt it. And with Seattle's run-heavy offense, they were able to run out the clock and ice the game and really leave the Packers in a must-win-out type of situation. Um, I mean, obviously, they're still in it for a wild card, and with Aaron Rodgers, you have a chance, but... I think they really could have put it in his hands and let him try to go for it and win the game. Uh, On the Green Bay side of things, Aaron Rodgers had an efficient game, 21 for 30, 332 and 2. And the focal points really for the entire offense were Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams. I mean, Devontae Adams, there's not much more you can ask for in a number one receiver in fantasy football. 12 targets, 10 receptions, 166 yards. Broke loose for a long 57-yard gain uh, later in the game. And then Aaron Jones, he's really cemented his uh, takeover of the running back duties. He had 11 rushes to Williams' one rush. Now Aaron Jones put up 40 yards on the ground with one touchdown, but did damage in the air as well. Five receptions for 63 yards and a touchdown. So you got to be happy with that, but... Really, the Packers' defense could not stop the running game of the Seattle Seahawks, and they've made it a point uh, to really rush the ball with some effectiveness. And you got to give it up for Chris Carson. First play of the game, he fumbles the ball, turns it right over, and you're thinking, well, here comes Mike Davis, here comes Rashad Penny. But they stuck with Carson, and he rewarded them with 83 yards on the ground with one touchdown. So uh, what could have turned into a bad situation for anybody that had Carson in their their lineups has to be happy. Russell Wilson, once again, 21 for 31, 225 and 2. So keeping that touchdown streak going. And the good thing about it is uh, he got Doug Baldwin involved. This is where I think we had a question of uh, dropping Doug Baldwin, and I just couldn't do it. He had the most targets on the team, 10 targets, 7 receptions, 52 yards, and a touchdown. Finally got on the scoreboard there for the season. But it looked like down the road there towards the end of the game and they were looking to close out a long drive. Really went to Tyler Lockett who had five targets, five receptions, 71 yards. So I really think Baldwin or Lockett are going to be the two main targets for Russell Wilson going down the second half. And I'd feel good about those as both high-end threes with the possibility of sneaking into wide receiver two levels as well. So... You got to just keep riding the fact that Russell Wilson has these second half performances, it seems like every year, and looks like he could be on the verge of another one. So 
Seattle with a big win. Look to keep that momentum going as they try to fight for, like I said, a wild card position. And um, Aaron Rodgers, I think this is uh, do or die. And I think, you know, if I had to put my money on any quarterback in the league, I think I'm going to bet on Aaron Rodgers to succeed more often than not. So I look for them to bounce back next week as well. But let's go ahead and get into the Sunday main slate. And the first game I want to talk about is absolute domination from the Indianapolis Colts who beat the Tennessee Titans 38 to 10. And looks like Mariota went down with an injury. We saw Blaine Gabbert come in. We'll update that on Tuesday's show. But the Colts absolutely dominated in every facet of the game. Their defense looked good. The offense looked good. Andrew Luck looks fully back to form. You've got Andrew Luck going 23 for 29, 297, and three touchdowns. The guy's been absolute money. Uh, For those that held through the first couple of games where he was getting his footing, boy, you have to be happy about these types of performances because he's pretty much a guarantee for three touchdowns almost every game. So, um, you know, he's a no-brainer quarterback one the rest of the year with high-end potential every week. For the rushing game, Marlon Mack got back on track. 61 yards on 16 attempts for one touchdown. And for the passing game options, it was really the T.Y. Hilton show today. Nine targets, nine receptions, 155 yards, two touchdowns with a long of 68. So this is the type of game he has in him at any moment where he could break not only long uh, breakers, but he could also get into the end zone. So absolute domination from every facet of the Indianapolis Colts. And for those that are in IDP leagues, Darius Leonard's one of the best, if not the best fantasy linebacker out there. Um, I know I I was a target uh, of him in our league of record. We do one IDP spot to sort of add some spice into our lineup. And I actually held him through his bye week just because I did not want him to get on waivers. That's how good this guy's been. He's a tackling machine. He had a forced fumble interception. He does everything that you ask of him with high tackle totals. So for IDP leagues, got to be happy having that guy in your lineup. As far as the Tennessee Titans, not really much came out of this game. Your typical rushing lines, Derrick Henry, 9 for 46. Deion Lewis, 10 for 24. I know a lot of people thought Deion Lewis could be a good play, especially in DFS and tournaments. But that did not pan out at all. And really, the only pass catcher that showed up was Tajay Sharp, who only showed up because he got into the end zone. 5 for 37 and 1. Um, if Blaine Gabbert's going to be the lead quarterback for any amount of time, this could spell bad news for the Tennessee Titans, who <clears throat> just a couple weeks ago really shellacked the New England Patriots and looked like they could be a team that's ready to break through. But it looks like the Texans, uh, you know, after an 0-3 start, are going to start running away with that division. But I think the Colts, if Andrew Luck can say this hot, um, you know, could give them a run for their money. But it's all based on Andrew Luck. So um, Dud from the Tennessee Titans will update you on the status of Mariota because I think that changes the dynamic of their offense. Could mean more Jonu Smith, who was the highest targeted uh, player, uh, the tight end from Tennessee. Six for 44. We're going to mention him in the waiver section later on. But good win for the Colts. Absolute domination on their end. Next up, we're going to go to the New York Giants beating the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And what everybody thought could be a high-scoring game, they won 38-35. to We'll start with the Giants side of thing. Saquon Barkley, absolute monster. And we saw this coming. I mean, the Bucks are awful on every facet of defense. But listen to this stat line from Saquon Barkley. 27 rushes, 142 yards, two touchdowns. Added another two receptions, 10 yards, another touchdown. That's about as good of a performance as you can ask for him, especially going up against a bad defense. This is what you expect great players to do. And Saquon has the making of a a cornerstone piece for fantasy lineups moving forward into the future. It was nice to see Odell Beckham continuous streak of either 100 yards or a touchdown. He took four targets for four receptions, 74 yards and a touchdown. But really, it was all about Saquon Barkley. I mean, he dominated every aspect of the game. Eli Manning was efficient. He didn't have to throw much, but he was 17 for 18 for 231 and 2. I know I played him a lot in my uh, FanDuel lineups this week, um, so I'm happy with that, especially at the low price tag that he uh, demands in that type of setting. 
But yeah, it was all about Saquon Barkley. There's, there's no more to say about that. He completely controlled the game. And this is the type of stat lines you could actually expect from this guy. He's not going to get the three touchdowns every game, but he's a threat from for 100 and 100 every week, whether it's rushing or receiving. On to the Tampa Bay side of things. This is why, so I think it was two episode, two weeks ago um, when we had Twitter questions or surrounding our rankings, there's a question why we ranked um, Ryan Fitzpatrick so low. I think we had him ranked 12 like two weeks ago. And my concern personally has always been that if he has a bad showing, he could get pulled at any moment. And what do you know? I saw Fitzpatrick throw some really bad interceptions as they were going in to try to score. He had three interceptions in total. And what do you know? He gets yanked for Jameis Winston, who goes 12 for 16, 199, 2 and 1. So this is a quarterback situation that could fluctuate at any given moment. So till further notice, I'm staying away from both of those quarterbacks, regardless if they name one well ahead of time. For the rushing attack, it was surprising. Peyton Barber, 18 for 106 and 1. If you played Peyton Barber, good on you. Uh, he added another two receptions for four yards, so nothing there. <clears throat> but you got to be happy. He's had some decent rushing performances lately, and it seems like the backfield is totally his, at least on the rushing side of things. So uh, you could do worse if you have him on your bench. If he's on your waivers, you might want to give him a peek and uh, add him to your team because if he's going to dominate the workload, he had 18 rushes compared to three for Jacquez Rogers. And the other nine attempts were just from the quarterbacks, Winston and Fitzpatrick. For the receiving, uh, Mike Evans, uh, this is the type of game you expect after two duds back-to-back. You know, once Jameis came in, he targeted him early and often, going deep to him a few times, but he finished with six for 120 and one. So that's the type of performance you like to see out of Mike Evans. O.J. Howard was having a nice game, 5 for 78, went down with an injury. I believe it was to his ankle. We'll go ahead and update that on Tuesday's show. And then there's Adam Humphreys, 3 for 60 and 1. For some reason, the guy just seems to be involved in the offense, excuse me, especially when Jameis is involved. So, um, you know, I'd recommend just taking a look at him if you have a burner spot at the end of your bench. You could do much worse than that, but... Yeah, it was really dominated by the rushing and Mike Evans, really. Um, Hopefully, O.J. Howard is good uh, because I think he's one of the better, more consistent tight ends out there. Uh, But if not, Cameron Brait with Jameis Winston in could be a pickup that that you might want to look at because, you know, Brait had a really good season with Jameis at the helm last year. So uh, somebody you might want to target if you're in some need of waiver pickup uh, due to next week's buy or injuries. And next, we're going to move on to the Steelers versus the Jaguars. The Steelers win 20-16 to in what was a really ugly game on the Steelers' side of things early on. I mean, Jacksonville didn't really do much outside of their defensive performances and Leonard Fournette. <clears throat> we'll start with Jacksonville. Blake Bortles, 10 for 18, 104. The Steelers' defense has really turned it around from earlier. So it doesn't surprise me anymore that they're starting to shut down, whether it's mediocre offenses like this or really good offenses uh, like they have been lately. But really the key was the rushing game. And I say Leonard Fournette because he carried a, uh, the, really the bulk of the workload. He had 28 rush attempts for 95 yards and one touchdown. And obviously being from Pittsburgh, this was the game that was on. Um, I had Red Zone on on my phone watching it for the other games, but it seemed like every time I looked, Leonard Fournette was getting big chunk plays. So uh, I think they did the right thing by resting him because he finally looks healthy and looks like a total workhorse. Although Carlos Hyde did have some good rush attempts, eight attempts for 44 yards. He broke some big plays as well. As far as the receiving options, you were led by Leonard Fournette, who caught two targets for two receptions for 46 yards. Other than that, I'm not playing any of those wide receivers from Jacksonville. They're stayaways for me. On the Pittsburgh side of things, James Conner really got bottled up and had his worst game by far. He dropped a would-be touchdown that for the moment in the fourth quarter looked like it could have cost him the game. Thankfully, it did not. But he only had 9 for 25 and 6 for 24 through the air. So really a dud. I expect him to bounce back. As we know, the backfield's his. Nobody else had a rushing attempt. Big Ben shook off three bad interceptions early in the game to finish 27 for 47, 314, two touchdowns and three. And then he rushed in the game winner on a nice play where 
sort of just followed and actually bumped into his lineman. I thought that was going to prevent him from getting in, but he just did enough before his knee went down to win the game. For the receiving options, uh, really what I consider a big three for the team. Antonio Brown, five for 117 and one with a long of 78 where just broke it long and it was able to outrun it. Uh, when it looked like there was a flag, um, I don't know if there was some confusion because the cameraman panned to where the flag possibly was at, but it ended up going for a much needed touchdown. Juju with some big receptions down the uh, down towards the end of the game. He finished 8 for 104, but really had some crucial ones that kept drives moving and gave them a chance to score on that Big Ben touchdown at the end. And then Vance McDonald, we had him, uh, Dan and I, in our Dynasty League, where even though we had him at the time two spots lower than Jimmy Graham, I believe, we made the decision right before the Thursday night kickoff to ride Vance McDonald and give him a chance. And thank God we did because he paid it off for three for 27 and a touchdown. So anytime you can get a touchdown from your tight end, you're excited about it. And we made the right move because Jimmy Graham looks like he's dealing with a thumb issue, which could keep him out for some amount of time. So uh, we'll update you on that. But glad we ended up riding with Vance. I think he's a, he's a big part of the... Um, the offense. I mean, he, he's a dynamic tight end that can break plays, um, and, and I, I like what he adds to the offense. So I, I expect him to be involved moving down uh, towards the end of the season here. But good win. Jaguars showed up and really played some good defense and, and held the Steelers in, in check for most of the game, but it was really the late second half where they really came through and, and won the game and kept their win streak alive and moved to 7-2-1. and one. So let's go ahead now and move on to the Detroit Lions beating the Carolina Panthers 20-19. And this to me was a bad loss for the Carolina Panthers. I fully expected them to come in and really dominate a team that to me is not very good on defense. Cam Newton ended up having a big game. Uh, He shook things off. He looked like he had what looked to be an injury there for a moment and as a Cam Newton owner in my league of record where he's my only quarterback that I've been riding, I was getting a little nervous, but he shook it off. Finished 25 for 37, 357 and 3 with one interception. Christian McCaffrey somewhat surprisingly held in check. 13 for 53 on the ground. You didn't like that. And 6 for 57. So in PPR leagues, he really can balance against a weak rushing uh, output on his end. But he was coming in on fire, getting into the end zone with... uh, great occurrence and today just didn't have it going against a plum matchup so uh, even though the receptions helped that was a disappointment uh, in my eyes really the story coming out of it on the receiving options and, and I've been waiting I, I was aggressive on this guy about two weeks ago in our league of record and targeted DJ Moore and he paid it in spades today it was seven for 157 and one we had a long reception of 82 yards where it looked like he was going to break it uh, for even a longer play which would have resulted in a touchdown but boy I, I just like his schedule they've got a very friendly schedule which I'm sure we'll cover in more detail for the playoffs but if he's available in any league I target him aggressively Greg Olson saved his day with a touchdown on only two receptions for nine yards so Without that touchdown, he he really gave you nothing. It was just a disappointing outing for the Carolina Panthers. You expected more against what looks like a team that just is done in Detroit. But, hey, more credit to them. They came to play. And and the player on the Detroit side of things that really came to play was Carrion Johnson. I was nervous. I think we talked about him two weeks ago um, in our Real or Fake segment where he had a down game. And just looking at the schedule, we were really down on all Detroit Lions options. And the schedule to me was what scared me, but boy, oh boy, he's been playing really well in some tough matchups. Finished with 15 for 87 and one, and then added two receptions for 10 yards. I know he's dinged up, and uh, we will definitely give an update on that. So as you're seeing, there's some big names that are dinged up, so hopefully it's not any big uh, losses, but we'll make sure to update you on any player news as we get it. And then Kenny Galladay, he was set up to be the target monster, and boy, was he ever. With Marvin Jones out, he took 15 targets for eight receptions, 113 yards, and a touchdown. So, boy, if you held the faith with Kenny Galladay, this is the type of upside this guy has. So, got to be happy with that type of performance. And for as long as Marvin Jones is out, uh, you know, they normally play on Thanksgiving. So, who knows if he's going to make it back in time. But uh, I keep riding him. If you have him, you got to put him in your lineup, even at worst as a flex, because this is the type of upside this guy has. 
But yeah, good win for Detroit and what to me is a bad loss for the Carolina Panthers. Losing two in a row to the Steelers and now the Lions. They need to get back on track because they have, to me, an offense that can really uh, make a run. But um, can't be losing games like this to bad teams. So next we're going to move on to the Dallas Cowboys beating the Atlanta Falcons 22-19. to And this to me was... Must win for both teams, fighting for a wild card spot in the NFC. And the story to me was, once again, Zeke Elliott. You know, he had the matchup. That's why we ranked him number two this week in our uh, rankings. I mean, it was just the perfect storm. The guy's been playing well. He looks like a workhorse like always. But Atlanta has been very generous to running backs. And here's what he did. 23 rush attempts, 122 yards, one touchdown on the ground. And then what I just like about his game, and this is what I sort of was hoping for when I uh, spoke about him in the preseason, his receiving. He was the highest targeted player, eight targets, seven receptions for 79 yards. So he was pushing for that 100-100 performance that Dan talks about frequently. To me, he was the entire offense. We did have Dak Prescott run one in, but he only finished 22 of 32 through the air with 208 yards. As far as the receiving options, a little bit of a letdown from Amari Cooper. I thought he had the makings of a big performance against, once again, a weak Atlanta defense, but only turned in three for 36. And I'm telling you, outside of Zeke Elliott, there was nothing of note from the uh, Dallas Cowboys. So big on him to really put the team on his back and win in a must-win type of situation. As far as the Atlanta Falcons side of things, Matt Ryan played a so-so game, 24 for 34, 291, 1-1. And And it was really the Julio Jones show. He's been really cooking as far as getting into the end zone. He's a good bet to go over 100 yards at any point in any game. But he turned in nine targets for six receptions, 118 yards, and one touchdown. So now that he's starting to score, I mean, this puts the... I mean... Anybody that has anything bad to say about having ownership stakes in Julio Jones and fantasy, if he starts scoring touchdowns, he's a legit threat for the number one overall wide receiver. Now, that's sort of the knock on him is he doesn't score a lot of touchdowns, but this is what you get when he does. He's been scoring three straight games, and he always is a threat for high catch mounts and then high yardage amounts. So... He was really the only player of note on the offense. The rushing game didn't really get anything going. No other receiving options really got anything going. So what it boils down to is a two-player show, and Zeke Elliott was just more effective to get the win for his Cowboys. And let's move on to a battle of two teams in the AFC North that are hanging around that uh, last wild card spot as of now. But the Baltimore Ravens beat the Cincinnati Bengals 24-21. to And the exciting thing to see was the Baltimore Ravens were led by Lamar Jackson as Joe Flacco sat with what I believe was a hip injury. Now, this is the thing. Lamar Jackson's not going to throw the ball lights out, especially in his first start. 13 for 19, 150 with one interception. Okay, not anything special. But here's where he's a complete game changer. Listen to these amounts. 27 rush attempts for 117 yards. That's pretty much like Tim Tebow was on steroids. So this guy's dynamic. I got to watch him a lot, um, you know, playing in the ACC at Louisville uh, since, you know, we watch Pitt here. So I got to see this guy play a lot. This is the type of damage he could do. If he could start adding that passing uh, into his arsenal, I mean, the future's here for Baltimore. Um, and, And really, the other surprise was... It wasn't Alex Collins that dominated, even though he got into the end zone on seven rush attempts for 18 yards and one touchdown. It was little-known Gus Edwards, who had a game for the ages for him, coming out of nowhere for 17 rush attempts, 115 yards, one touchdown. We're going to be talking about him in the waivers because, for some reason, the coaching staff in Baltimore just does not believe in Alex Collins. And this is proof. You would thought, you know, okay, they brought in Ty Montgomery. They still have Javoris Allen. You know, maybe one of those two will pull in uh, some work. No, it was Gus Edwards, and they rode him down the stretch, and he paid off for them. As far as the receiving options, you know, it wasn't really much there because, as we said, Lamar Jackson didn't throw for a lot. Uh, But Willie Sneed led the way with 5 for 51. But, you know, until Lamar Jackson shows that he can throw the ball consistently, I'm not starting any of the Baltimore wide receiving options. 
For the Cincinnati Bengals side of things, it did look pretty for Andy Dalton, but he came through with 19 for 36, 211 and 2. So you'll take that from Dalton. Um, I really thought the Ravens defense was going to eat up the Cincinnati Bengals, but that really wasn't the case. So um, good on Andy Dalton because um, I thought this was a blow-up spot for the Baltimore defense. Joe Mixon, mediocre rushing performance, 12 rush attempts for 14 yards and one touchdown. Without that touchdown, really didn't give you much. I mean, he did add three for 38 through the air, but uh, you would expect more. Although, once again, tough matchup. I thought it was going to be a lot worse for the Bengals, so I would take a touchdown if I was a Joe Mixon owner. And for the pass catchers for the Cincinnati Bengals, Tyler Boyd was far away the target leader with 11 targets, but only turned that into four for 71. So you could tell he needs A.J. Green back. He's not a true number one. He needs an elite guy out there that can uh, force the number one coverage away from him. So sounds like A.J. Uh, tried to test out the toe before the game. Couldn't get it going, so I'm sure they're going to give it a chance uh, next week in Week 12 because they really need to win to keep pace right now. John Ross, if you picked him up and took a flyer on him, he's been scoring touchdowns. It's not pretty. He finished two for 27 and one touchdown. But, hey, if you're getting touchdowns, I'll take it all day long. So uh, if John Ross is out there, it might be worthwhile to pick him up. But I feel like I've been saying this. It feels like a trend, but really outside of a few players, there wasn't really much to this game. So um, I do like Lamar Jackson just for his rushing. Um, They play a pretty soft schedule. Um, so really, Gus Edwards and Lamar Jackson, feels weird saying the first name, but they could be valuable fantasy pieces going down the road. I know I picked up Lamar Jackson in uh, 14-team Superflex League that I'm in um, just to sort of give it a shot and see what happens. It was either him or Dalton, and I'm glad I went with Lamar Jackson. It was just fun to watch him and have some investment, and those rushing attempts were pretty amazing, 27 for 117. So a uh, good one for Baltimore, and both teams are going to be duking it out for the final wildcard spot in the AFC. It looks like the last game in the early Sunday slate, Houston Texans beat the Washington Redskins 23-21. And boy, have the Texans really turned things around since their 0-3 start. They've won every game since then and now have moved to 7-3. And it looks like they have a two-game lead, if I remember correctly, over the Colts and the Titans. So, Uh, Boy, that's really a way to to knuckle up and and turn around your season when it looks like it could have went downhill. But I want to start on the Washington Redskins side of things. Really horrible uh, injury to Alex Smith. And uh, as somebody who's had ankle and feet injuries uh, playing sports as I grew up, they're not easy for me to watch. Um, But boy, it looked bad. It was sort of those ones where I don't recommend really looking at it uh, or turn away if you happen to see it uh, because it was not good. Uh, It looks like the news came out that he broke his tibia and fibula. So obviously he's done for the rest of the year. I hope he gets well because this is a guy, I mean, even though he wasn't doing much passing the ball and wasn't taking advantage of really good matchups over the past couple weeks, I just like him as, as a player. I mean, he's pretty much looked at as a bust in San Francisco, gets to Kansas City, turns his whole career around. Last year looked like one of the best quarterbacks in the entire NFL. I think Washington should stick with him. I know he'll be back next year uh, after he heals. Um, Put some other weapons around him, and I really think he has a chance to shine. So I hope for a speedy recovery for Alex Smith. Uh, That that just did not look good. But Colt McCoy came in, and we're going to talk about him in the waivers. If you're in two quarterback leagues, he may be someone to look at. Finished 6 for 12, 54 yards, one touchdown. Adrian Peterson really took the workload on himself today. 16 rush attempts for 51 yards and two touchdowns. And hello, Jordan Reed, coming back from the dead. Dan and I basically have given up on this guy, but took 11 targets for seven receptions, 71 yards, and a touchdown. So if you held the faith with Jordan Reed, you've been handsomely rewarded on this one. Dan, if you're listening, I'm sure you're kicking yourself in the butt now for that trade, giving away Aaron Jones. AP and Jordan Reed because they all had great performances and and Craig if you're listening I bet you're laughing all the way to the bank (laughs) but really outside of that no really receiving options of notice Uh, the trend continues for breaking down these games Uh, with Colt McCoy looking to be the starting quarterback uh, he could lean on Jordan Reed and Adrian Peterson so if you held tight on those guys I think it could pay off for you moving forward going into the fantasy playoffs 
And on the Houston side of things, it wasn't really pretty for Deshaun Watson. 16 for 24, 208 passing yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. But he threw a dart down the uh, sidelines to... Um, DeAndre Hopkins, which I thought it looked like it was either going to be deflected or possibly picked off, but DeAndre just doing Hopkins things, man. Just makes a sick catch, takes it in for their only touchdown through the air. Finished for 5 for 56 and 1, so not very many yards per se, but uh, I mean, the guy just scores touchdowns. He's, He's really such a great receiver. Lamar Miller took back the reins of the backfield. After, for some reason last week, he got outrushed by Alfred Blue. But this week, he turned 20 rush attempts to 86 yards. So, you know, a little over four carry. Um, you know, Alfred Blue only had eight. So maybe he's starting to get back the uh, workload back there. But, I mean, he's always good for a flex and a pinch if you need it with the upside of a, of a two. I don't think he's ever <clears throat> going to be a running back one anymore. And welcome back, Kiki QT. Took nine targets for five receptions, 77 yards. Thought maybe Demarius Thomas would take away the workload and the focus from QT, but Demarius Thomas only had one target that he turned into nothing. So a little bit of a surprise. I thought he'd be more involved, but, you know, who knows? Maybe he's still trying to get comfortable with everything, but um, you think he would have some bigger performances, but uh, remains to be seen. Once again, good win for the Texans. Really starting to run uh, into a nice little hot streak um, and and taking over control of the AFC South. So um, I think it's going to be them and the Colts down the road uh, fighting for that division with Houston, uh, obviously with a two-game lead, has a a very good chance to, to sort of run away with that division. But should be fun going down the road here. So let's go ahead and get into the afternoon slate of games. So the first late afternoon game that I want to talk about is the Oakland Raiders getting off the schneid and winning their second game of the season, beating the Arizona Cardinals 23-21. to So good win for John Gruden uh, and the team. I mean, obviously these are two of the uh, worst teams in the NFL. Sorry, Oakland and Arizona listeners, but... Derek Carr um, put together a decent game with really some light receiving options. Uh, Derek Carr went 19 for 31, two touchdowns, no interceptions. So you like to see that. Uh, right when I was starting to put together notes, so I do notes as I go through and watch the games. And for a minute there, I was like, okay, Brandon LaFell got into the end zone again. Maybe he's a waiver pickup, finished two for 29 and one. And I didn't even hit return on the keyboard and it looks like he may have some Achilles issues and could be done for the year. So sorry, Brandon LaFell. It looks like that was short lived. I mean, really this receiving core is pretty nasty. Aitman, Roberts, Smith. I mean, (laughs) it's really going to be to me, Jared Cook. And it looks like some of the receiving backs are going to get more involved. As far as the rushing attempts, it was pretty much split. Um, you know, I was watching the game, sort of questioning where's Doug Martin, especially when they were trying to pound it in from short yardage. Uh, in the second half, there was a first and goal, and I didn't see Doug Martin anywhere. It looks like he might have had um, some feet or ankle issues, um, but I was at first like, why are they not trying to pound it in? The guy's been rushing good. I mean, 10 for 52, 5.2 rushing average, added another reception. But it was really the Jalen Richard and Washington show. Uh, 11 attempts for Richard for 61 yards. Washington took 12 rush attempts for 39 yards. Uh, but Richard, you know, where he makes a lot of his money, if he's going to get more rushing attempts, you know, he could be a good pickup if he's still available. But he added three for 32 throughout the air. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, depending on what Martin's injury was, um, you could be looking at a split back between Washington and Richard, which um, I think they did last year um, towards the second half of the season. So uh, both could be possible flex options. But, you know, I'm trying to stay away from the Oakland Raiders offense if possible, even with a, a somewhat decent game from some pieces. And Josh Rosen for the Arizona Cardinals was sort of all over the place. Nine for 20, 136, three touchdowns and two interceptions. Seemed like he'd throw a touchdown and then followed up the next drive with an interception. But to me, the story for the Arizona Cardinals is David Johnson. Complete workhorse performance today. 25 rush attempts for 137 yards. Only added one reception for 17 yards, but when you're only completing nine passes, you're not going to get very much from anybody. 
But David Johnson has the look of a complete workhorse going down the stretch. And this is what you hope for with the offensive coordinator change. And it looks like Byron Leftwich is doing just that. He's using him in every type of facet and option in the game that he can. Um, so you're just going to plug him in and look for performances like this where it's heavy workload with always the chance of scoring a touchdown. Now, even with the low completion totals from Josh Rosen, he was able to support two fantasy-relevant wide receiving options. Christian Kirk turned four targets into three receptions for 77 yards and a touchdown with a long of 59. And Larry Fitzgerald made them count. Four targets, two receptions, 23 yards, two touchdowns. So if you played either one of those, you're happy with the fact that they scored. I know I put Larry Fitzgerald in uh, one of my FanDuel lineups. So, you know, two receptions, eh, 23 yards, eh. But if I can get two touchdowns, I'm pretty excited as a low-cost option for daily fantasy tournaments. Let's go ahead and move on to, to me, this was a bad loss for the Los Angeles Chargers, losing to the Denver Broncos 23-22. I really thought the Chargers were just going to beat down on this team with the return of Joey Bosa as well on the defensive side of things, but it never came to fruition. On the Chargers side of things, Phillip Rivers, 28 for 43, 401 yards, two touchdowns and two interceptions, so obviously a big game regardless of the fact that he threw two interceptions. Melvin Gordon didn't really do much in the rushing, 18 for 69, but added 6 for 87. So if he scores, it's a beastly performance, but a very good, strong performance that you just expect from Melvin Gordon going forward. Keenan Allen really stepped up. It's looked like he's starting to turn things around. He took 12 targets for nine receptions, 89 yards, and a touchdown. So if you held the faith with him, he turned it on in the second half of last season. It looks like he could be doing it now as the lead receiving options for the Chargers offense. Antonio Gates turned back the clock. Seven targets, five receptions, 80 yards, one touchdown. So you like that out of him. He's been pretty quiet all year. Um, But, you know, if he's going to start getting involved, especially around the end zone and can score in what Dan calls the tight end wasteland, he could do much worse if he's going to start scoring again. And the Williams brothers, not officially brothers, but, you know, same last name, do what they normally do. Catch a little bit of a pass, and if they don't score, they're not doing much. Mike Williams, 2 for 56. Tyrell Williams, 2 for 22. They're very hard to trust. If they don't score, you're going to get performances like that, 2 to 4 to 7 points, depending on the scoring formats that you have. And for the Denver Broncos, to me, it was all about really one player, and that was Philip Lindsay. He just looks like a very good young running back. He's not the biggest guy, but Dan said it, and I think he said it best. He looks like he shot out of the cannon every time that he runs the ball. Took 11 rush attempts for 79 yards and two touchdowns, so big performance. I know we had him ranked in the top 12 in our uh, rankings this week, and this is why. He's heavily involved, even though 11 attempts don't seem like much, but he also caught four receptions for 27 yards. And Royce Freeman got into the end zone. Seven rush attempts, 23 yards, one touchdown. Um, So, I mean, if he's going to be involved like that, he could be back on the flex map, but I still prefer Phillip Lindsay way above Royce Freeman at this time. He's just been better than him all year, so there's no need to to second-guess it. Case Keenan was 19 for 32 for 205. Really spread the ball around. A lot of receiving options. The best yardage-wise was uh, Sutton, who went for 3 for 78. Sanders, 4 for 56. Hireman, 4 for 20. No pass catchers got into the end zone. Um, So really, if you didn't have Lindsey on the Denver Broncos side of things, you didn't really get much. But I like him as a high-end running back, too, moving forward. He just has a chance to score heavily involved in both sides of the offense. And... Look at what he did against what I thought was going to be a strong Chargers defense, especially with the return of Joey Bosa. And the last game I want to cover is the New Orleans Saints destroying the Philadelphia Eagles 48-7. And don't look now, but the Saints might be the best team in football. I know I know it's always focused on the Chiefs and the Rams, but the Saints are now 9-1 after that bad loss in their first game at home against the Um, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Saints have been as good as any team in football, and it really starts with Drew Brees. I mean, this guy is going to go down as one of the best quarterbacks of all time. 22 for 30, 363, four touchdowns, no interceptions. 
go over his pass catchers first, and then we'll come back to the running backs. Traquan Smith had a breakout game, 13 targets, 10 receptions, 157 yards, one touchdown. He's my number one pickup on the waiver wire going into this week, <clears throat> coming up for week 12. He flashed this a couple games ago, had some duds, but this is the upside this guy has is the number two receiving option. He was able to take advantage of a banged up secondary and really produce monstrous numbers. Michael Thomas does what Michael Thomas does. Gets four targets only, didn't really need to be involved too much, but took nine, or I'm sorry, four targets for four receptions, catching 100%, pretty much what he does, for 92 yards and a touchdown. So just a monster in the receiving options. But um, now let's we could transition to the running backs because looks exactly like it did last year. Both running backs heavily involved. Both running backs producing. Both running backs scoring. Mark Ingram took 16 rush attempts for 103 yards, two touchdowns. Really set the tone early on a 30-plus yard rushing attempt on the first play he had. Alvin Kamara, 13 rush attempts for 71 yards, but then again, Kamara, one for 37 and one through the air. I believe it was on a fourth down play when they were up big. So going to your playmakers and trusting what they could do, even in a blowout game, I mean, you can't ask for much more. If you have any of Drew Brees, Alvin Kamara, Mark Ingram, Michael Thomas, and now even Traquan Smith, you're starting them because this offense is about as good as any in football, and that means including them in with the Chiefs and the Rams. So don't look out. Uh, don't look now, but boy, New Orleans has all the makings of a Super Bowl team. That defense really stepped it up today, holding the Eagles to seven points. So uh, boy, it's going to be interesting, especially in that NFC, is that uh, the playoffs get set. And to me, it looks like the Rams and the Saints could be meeting each other for the right to go to the Super Bowl at this point. For the Philadelphia side of things, it was really just Josh Adams. I mean, he only had seven attempts, but he took it for 53 and one touchdown. Outside of that, you're not happy with really anything the Eagles did. Carson Wentz had a game to forget. 19 for 33, 156, and three interceptions. So if you started him, he pretty much got you zero, depending on your league format, possibly got you negative points. So that one's a killer if you had him in your lineup. Receiving options. Uh, Golden Tate was the leader with 48 yards on five receptions. The stunner for me was Zach Ertz, two for 15. Alshon Jeffrey, four for 33. Nelson Aguilar, nothing. I mean, zero. So the Saints just got out to a lead, was able to sort of pin their ears back and really attack Carson Wentz, and he just could not get anything going. So uh, the Super Bowl champions, defending Super Bowl champions, find themselves at four and six. So they're going to need to really turn it around really fast, or they're going to not even make the playoffs, which is a shame because – They've got the talent there, especially when they made the trade for Golden Tate. Sort of thought big things were coming, but um, looks like they could be in some trouble. So that covers the Week 11 instant reactions. On our Tuesday show, we will cover the Sunday night, Monday night games. As of right now, with nine minutes left in the second quarter, Chicago's up three zip. Um, But due to the fact that we have Thanksgiving next week, uh, we may try to change the format up on our Tuesday show. I'll wait to talk to Dan tomorrow about that like to make it something a little more uh, listener um, heavy. So we might ask for a lot of questions and try to get more questions in the show, but we'll communicate that out because uh, it's going to be a short week with the holiday coming up. But let's go ahead and look into the week 12 buy. So you've got what I just was talking about, two of the better offenses, possibly the best two outside of the Saints in the NFL. So you've got the Chiefs and the Rams, a lot of big players, Mahomes, Hunt, Kelsey, Tyreek, Robert Woods, Brandon Cooks, Jared Goff, Todd Gurley, a lot of high-profile fantasy players on by. So hopefully you're prepared because um, it's going to leave a little bit of an effect on uh, your fantasy teams going into Week 12. Let's go ahead now and actually look at the scoring leaders, and then I'll close up with giving some waiver suggestions. So the scoring leaders, we give the top five based on our league of record uh, scoring, and I'm going to start with the quarterbacks, and with a performance like he had, it's no surprise that Drew Brees is the number one quarterback, followed by Aaron Rodgers, Big Ben, who turned it around after an awful, really three quarters of of a game, Cam Newton, and Andrew Luck. So Ben, Cam Newton, and Andrew Luck all were tied in our league of records. So a lot of the big names that you normally expect 
showing up for the quarterbacks this week. As far as the running backs, number one, Saquon Barkley. Two, Zeke Elliott. Three, Mark Ingram. Four, Aaron Jones. And five, to me, this might be the surprise of the year. Gus Edwards was the number five running back in our league of records. So he's a guy that we're going to be talking about in a few moments here for sure. For wide receivers, T.Y. Hilton with a big game for the Indianapolis Colts. Two, Antonio Brown. Remember, we also reward long plays. So any receiving touchdowns or plays over 50 yards, you get a bump, a little boost in points. So that helped bring A.B. I mean, regardless of scoring format, he's going to be in the top five. Three and four, two rookies, Traquan Smith, D.J. Moore of the Saints and the Panthers, respectively. And then routed out with Mike Evans. So nice bounce back for Mr. Evans. Yeah, for tight ends, this one's a, a pretty list. It's pretty much as close as how we ranked it. The game breaker, Bobby Tonian for the Green Bay Packers, based on our league of record, is the number one tight end this week. Two, father time himself, Antonio Gates. Three, returning from the side of a milk carton, we've got Jordan Reed. Four, OJ Howard. Hopefully that guy's healthy. I really like him going down the stretch. And we've got at the five spot, Jared Cook. And really, I would expect him, just based on volume alone, to have the opportunity uh, to finish top five because I think he's going to get force-fed targets. And for the defenses, number one this week, the Houston Texans. Two, the New Orleans Saints. Three, the Indy Colts. Four, the Pittsburgh Steelers. And five, the Washington Redskins. Really surprised. I thought we would see teams like the Ravens and possibly the Cardinals there, but that's the trick about chasing defenses. It just seems like every time... He chased a bad matchup, at least uh, over the past couple weeks. It just hasn't been coming to fruition. So um, some stunners there uh, that I thought would be in the top five that really weren't even close. Let's close it up by going over waiver options. So I'm going to start with a quarterback option. Um, he's 0% owned. I think he's more of a two-quarterback type of option, but, you know, you can see how it pulls it through. But Colt McCoy, 0% owned in ESPN. Moving to running backs, I got Gus Edwards, once again, 0% owned. I mean, if he's going to get the workload for the Baltimore Ravens, they have one of the most favorable schedules for fantasy running backs moving forward. So what could it hurt? Take a flyer on him. If he doesn't do anything and it goes back to Collins, you could drop him, but you might not want to miss out on that one. My other running back this week is Josh Adams of the Philadelphia Eagles, 28% owned in ESPN League, so available in three quarters pretty much. Sounds like they want him to be the lead running back, and although I still think the other running backs will be involved, um, you know, if he's going to be the lead, who knows? Um, I myself am not super high on him, but uh, the running back waiver wire is getting a little thin, so you might want to grab him and see what he does for the uh, playoffs. For wide receivers, I'm turning to the two rookies that I talked about in our weekly scoring leaders. Traquan Smith, I mean... Look at who he's playing with, Drew Brees, as the number two option. He's only owned in 13.3% of leagues. I'd pick him up. He's probably my number one target. Followed up with DJ Moore, Carolina Panthers, only owned in 32% of leagues. This is the game I was hoping for when I picked him up two weeks ago aggressively. Carolina has probably the best wide wide receiver schedule moving into the fantasy playoffs. So I would look at him as probably my number two waiver wire option this week and for the tight ends uh, i'm gonna go with johnny smith he's only 2.4 percent owned in espn the tennessee titans tight end think if blaine gabbert's gonna be the quarterback he's possibly gonna lean on johnny smith and he's been coming on he's been scoring uh the past couple games and then he um obviously came through with more receptions and yards so um you know is it a sexy name no but with the injuries that are going on and the um scarcity of the position um you know what can it hurt especially if you're in buys uh probably the kelsey owner if you have any of the um Rams tight ends you're waiting and seeing is anybody even worth holding on to and then don't forget about Cameron Brate for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers if OJ Howard is going to miss any time he was very dynamic last year scoring a lot of touchdowns with um, Jameis Winston as the quarterback I show him as only 9% owned in ESPN league so that would uh, be the waiver options that I would look at I'd prioritize the wide receivers and then probably follow it up with Gus Edwards just to take a flyer on him. So that would probably be my top three. 
but with that in mind, like I said, Tuesday's show, um, I want to sort of leave it flexible. I think I'd like to get uh, as much listener questions in as possible. So you might see something on Twitter uh, tomorrow. Um, really like to give thanks back to everybody who's uh, really followed us, listened to us, and, and have been supporters. I mean, Dan and I both started this as... You know, just a little brainchild idea. We talk about it all the time. And I just said, Dan, let's just start recording this. So it it stuns me every time we release a podcast and every time we interact or get new followers on any of our social media that people value what we do. And I could say it from the bottom of my heart. I really appreciate it because I love doing this and I love providing an option for you guys to help win your fantasy leagues. So keep an eye out on our social media um, to see what we're going to do for our Tuesday show as we get ready for the Thanksgiving holiday. But at this point, I want to go ahead and close the show. So going back to our social media, you can always follow us, Twitter and Instagram, at NotTakesFF, N-O-T-T-A-K-E-S-F-F. Once again, keep an eye out, especially on Twitter. If we're going to ask for some listener questions, we want to cover as many as possible this week. If you don't feel like using social media, you can email us any questions, NotTakesFF at gmail.com like to answer anything you guys have there if you guys don't have social media um totally fine we'd love to hear from you through that avenue you can visit our podcast homepage anchor.fm that's a-n-c-h-o-r.fm forward slash not takes ff you can listen to us there you can follow us there if you do follow us there and want to leave us a question you have the ability to leave us a voice message that we can embed into the episode and answer right there so if you want to get your voice on the podcast that's the best way to do it right now through the Anchor platform. If you don't want to follow through there, though, the good thing about visiting that page is it has direct links to every podcast platform we're on. We have direct links to the 12 platforms we're on that include Apple, Spotify, Podbean, Google, Stitcher, TuneIn, Breaker. You can see everything there, and it links you directly to the page where you can get every one of our episodes in the archive. So go ahead and visit that page to find out everywhere we are available calling out all the apple podcast listeners please take a moment and leave us a five-star rating and review this is so valuable to us and i can't stress enough how meaningful it is to what we do if you can spare 30 seconds a minute of your time those reviews and ratings really help get us out there so we'd really appreciate it i can't say thank you enough for doing it but for any platform that you listen on go ahead and subscribe when you subscribe you get each episode pushed to your uh, platform of choice as soon as we release them. So, you know, outside of the Thanksgiving week, we're normally Sunday night, Tuesday night, Thursday night. You get those episodes, preps you for the entire week, and get you ready to win your fantasy football matchups. And last but not least, I want to give a shout-out to Dan's brother, Tom, who created the intro and outro song that you hear on every episode. It's called Alma. Fits exactly what Dan and I are about, the type of music we like, and it really sets the tone for getting ready for our podcast. So, Tom, we really appreciate the support, and thank you for taking the time to create that song for us. And thank you guys once again for following along with me on my single-operated uh, podcast this week. Dan will be back on Tuesday. Dan, I hope you're having fun in Jacksonville. But to all the listeners out there, and Dan, I will talk to you guys later. Later.